The following program is a paid advertisement. The views reflected on this show are not necessarily the views of ESPN 1000. Doctor? 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 You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole on ESPN 1000. And hello again, everyone, and welcome into another edition of Sports Medicine Weekly. My name is Steve Cashel. I'm radio host of the Chicago Bulls. In a few minutes, I'll be joined by my co-host, Dr. Brian Cole, head team physician for the Chicago Bulls and co-team physician of the Chicago White Sox, sports medicine specialist, orthopedic surgeon from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush and Rush University Medical Center. As always, we're going to talk about a number of sports injury-related topics. We also have our website. Please visit sportsmedicineweekly.com. We're back to get it going right after this on ESPN 1000. Allosource's products help surgeons get their patients back into the game of life. Prochondrex, the latest solution from Allosource, is an innovative, cost-effective, fresh cartilage allograft designed to restore cartilage and restore movement. To learn more about Prochondrex, visit Prochondrex.org. That's P-R-O-C-H-O-N-D-R-I-X.org. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole on ESPN 1000. Steve Cashel, Dr. Brian Cole back with you at Sports Medicine Weekly. To access prior shows, interviews, and valuable resources on sports injury and fitness, please visit our new blog at smwhome.net or the website sportsmedicineweekly.com. Dr. Cole, I saw a new uh, procedure on the NBC Nightly News, Cool Leaf. What's it all about? Well, I, 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 too, need to learn about it, Steve. It's not a procedure that orthopedic surgeons provide, but anytime there's some alternative to manage, to manage uh, joint pain, in this case it's been advocated for knee pain, um, I have to know about it because I get asked about it. I mean, this is one that I've been asked about almost daily once the, uh, the Nelly News session came out. It's starting to slow down a bit, but uh, it's a new treatment uh, using sort of uh, electrical activity or current uh, delivered through a needle to treat uh, patients, and I, th- I believe in this case it's been labeled for uh, 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 chronic pain specifically might be for knee, but we'll have to hear about it. But it's definitely one that the listeners want to tune into because uh, many of them heard about it. It's on their radar because many of these patients are longstanding knee pain, for example, that we as orthopedic surgeons with any modality have been unsuccessful in managing. So we're always looking for new alternative treatments that are safe, effective, and also not particularly costly. Well, let's bring on an expert in this field, an anesthesiologist from Rush, Dr. Sandeep Amin. And uh, Dr. Min, thanks so much for uh, joining us. A a new non-invasive knee procedure, correct? Yes, thanks for having me on. Uh, This is pretty much an application of interventional pain medicine where we can use minimally invasive procedure to target the exact nerves that go to the knee joint. Um, The way this came around was radiofrequency procedures were used for chronic pain for the longest time. Coolies was derived from the term of cooled radiofrequency for relief of pain. So when we cool the radiofrequency needles, we can deliver, you know, a larger lesion to the targeted area. And in this particular case, this was use of radio waves delivered to the nerves that go to the knee joint in patients who have chronic osteoarthritis pain. All right. So there's some pain pathway related to a nerve around the knee. Is it, I don't know if it's a sensory nerve or other that you can take a needle, deliver electrical activity through the needle, and does that ablate or injure the nerve in an, in an effective way that stops their pain? Is that the premise? So the premise is that we you know, did cadaveric dissections and looked at the innervation of the knee joint. And most of the innervation or the nerve supply comes from three particular nerves called the genicular nerves. And these are on top and below the knee joint itself. The procedure involves placement of the needle where you're creating almost like a freeze of the nerve itself. 
So it ablates the delivery of the pain signal from the nerve and prevents it from traveling to the spinal cord and eventually the brain. So why is that one nerve responsible for so much? One would think that many nerves, if someone has an osteoarthritic knee, one would think that there's many nerves involved. And what did the FDA, yeah, and then also what did the FDA label this as? What's it approved for? And who pays, so for, the and who, ablation, and who, and who pays for it? Yeah, so the ablation is not just one nerve, but it's more than one nerve. So when we think about the innervation, you know, there's three to four major nerve branches that go to the knee joint. And you'll never be able to completely, you know, ablate the nerves that go to the knee joint. But if you can take care of majority of these, then you can interrupt majority of the pain. Now, the way this came around with the FDA approval was we did a multi-center study where we looked at comparison between steroid injections to the knee for patients who had osteoarthritis and compared it to patients who underwent cool radiofrequency or cool leaf procedure. And the results, you know, we extrapolated over one, three, six months, and 12 months were pretty significant. What we found was that at six months, about 74% of the patients who underwent the cool leaf procedure continued to have greater than 50% relief. Now, when we compared this to the steroid injection group, this dropped down to 16%. So only 16% of the patients who underwent a steroid injection within the knee joint continued to have greater than 50% relief at six months. We looked at this further at 12 months, and what we found was about 65% of these patients after cool leave continued to have relief, again, greater than 50%. And this number even dropped further down for the patients who had steroid injection. So all in all, when we looked at this data, we found that the relief was not only superior, it was sustained. Okay. Now, so by what, no let, means... Let me, let me ask you a question. In the study itself, was it, a, is it, was it an FDA trial? No, this was a randomized uh, double-blinded control study. And was it, it was not an FDA trial. Okay, so it was done by invest, like investigator-initiated study, or was it from the company? It was investigator-initiated study, um, and uh, it was funded partly by Holliard as far as the kits and everything, uh, but it was multi-centered. And were the patients, they were, I assume they're not blinded, like not everyone got a needle stick. Half got the needle stick with the cool leaf and half got a steroid. Is that correct? That is correct. So just curious, being the scientist that I think I am, um, how do you think that <laughs> affects the, the study, you know, given the treatment effect of, hey, I'm getting a needle, I'm, I'm part of a important study versus I'm getting the standard, which is steroid injection? Yeah, I'm sure there's a little bit of a bias, you know, when you as a patient are thinking about it that way. Um, again, you know, when you look at the data at six months, I think, you know, the patients also had a chance to cross over if they didn't respond to, uh, you know, the standard steroid injection. Um, I'm sure there was a little bit of bias, you know, when you think about do I get stuck with one needle or three needles uh, as far as the procedure. But when you think about, you know, would you rather go for a simple injection in the knee or would you rather go through a little more exotic procedure, I'm sure most patients who are looking for just relief would rather have a simple injection if they can get relief. That's a fair point. Now, has the FDA labeled this for chronic knee pain? The FDA did label it for chronic osteoarthritis-related pain. Okay, and who's paying for it? So at the current time, uh, most insurance companies are paying for it. The part that gets tricky is that to do the procedure itself, you do require a special kit, which is, you know, specialized needles, equipment, and that's where, you know, the insurance companies and the payers are fighting, you know, who's responsible for the payment. So what's, what, so when it, where, can it be repeated? What data do you have on that? How long, do, what's the average length of time it'll last and can it be repeated and does it cause any permanent injury to the nerves? So this procedure can be repeated. Most nerves will regenerate, you know, in the course of six months to 12 months. Um, 
in reality, most of the patients who have, you know, advanced osteoarthritis and who are just buying time for six months, 12 months, may make decisions or may come to terms to go ahead and have a knee replacement at some point. Um, but by all means, this procedure can be repeated. I mean, as you know, there's a certain subset of patients who will never be candidates for surgery, either comorbidities, other illnesses. Uh, you know, they may have uh, certain conditions that prevent them from going through major knee replacement. So these are the patients that can benefit from this kind of treatment. And obviously, a lot of these patients, as you see in, in your clinic and we see, have already gone through the conservative treatments. You've gone through physical therapy. You may have gone through a steroid injection. And when you have no other options and knee replacement is not an option, this might be an option. Our guest is Dr. Sandeep Amin from Rush University Medical Center, an anesthesiologist, talking about a new non-invasive knee procedure called Cool Leaf. And uh, what I want to ask you also, Dr. Amin, the advantage over a steroid injection. So the advantage, uh, you know, as I, as I quoted some of the numbers, when we looked at patients who have just a steroid injection, and patients who had Cooley's procedure, the main advantage is duration of relief. So when we're extrapolating all this data at six months and a year, we're finding that about 65% of these patients who had the Cooley's procedure continue to have sustained relief of greater than 50% at about 12 months. Now, this compares to this dropping down to about 16% of patients at six months of the steroid. Interesting conversation with Dr. Sandeep Amin from Rush University Medical Center. Dr. Amin, thanks so much for joining us on Sports Medicine Weekly. Thanks for having me. I bet we're back with more of the show after this on ESPN Radio. Feeling tired, sluggish, and overweight? If you're looking to lose weight and gain energy, join us in Karen Mulkin's 14-Day Transformation Cleanse. You're going to absolutely love this Whole Foods cleanse. You'll feel great, lose weight, build lean muscle, improve sleep, boost metabolism, and enhance athletic performance. This VIP done-for-you cleanse comes with a 14-day transformation wellness bag containing MCT Lean Vegan Protein Blend, fat-burning MCT Lean MCT Oil, snacks, superfoods, recipes, guidelines, videos and other surprises you will absolutely love this program sign up at 14daytransformation.com that's the numbers 14daytransformation.com or visit karen's website at karenmalkin.com that's k-a-r-e-n-m-a-l-k-i-n.com Midwest Orthopedics at Rush is nationally recognized as a leader in comprehensive orthopedic services. As team physicians for the Chicago Bulls, Chicago White Sox, and Chicago Fire Soccer Club, their physicians understand the importance of quality care for high-performance athletes and weekend warriors. Regardless of the level of the athlete, recreational, high school, college, even professionals, Midwest Orthopedics at Rush strives to provide the highest quality, state-of-the-art health care services. To better serve their patients, they provide expert care across five Chicagoland locations with a new location in Munster, Indiana. Their cutting-edge research, diagnosis methods, and treatments make them the highest-ranked program in the state of Illinois by U.S. News & World Report rankings. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit them at RushOrtho.com or call 877-MD-BONES. Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, when only the best will do. That's one way to end up on injured reserve. So is falling off a ladder, lifting something heavy. Uh, ow! That's not good. Or having an accident. At work. Uh-oh. Athletico helps all kinds of people come back from injured reserve. Schedule a free injury screening at athletico.com and find out how physical therapy can decrease pain and discomfort, increase strength and mobility, and help you get back to doing the things you love to do. Athletico Physical Therapy. Better for everybody. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly on ESPN 1000. Back here on the Saturday morning, Sports Medicine Weekly. I'm Steve Cashel with Dr. Brian Cole. Our producer board operators include Felix Reyes and Eric Ostrowski, our coordinating producer, 
Patrice Ann Seeger. Also want to thank David Cole for managing the website, our business operations. Also Samantha Smith from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. That's a rundown. It takes a lot of people to put this show on. But Dr. Cole, I had a question for you. All right, I want to talk a little bit about second opinions. Always wondering, let's say that uh, a young man, I always like to use the Little League reference. So a young guy has an elbow problem, let's say, in my hometown in Naperville. And he goes and sees an orthopedic surgeon. And he tells him one thing. And the parents are going, well, okay, interesting. You know, maybe I want to go see a second opinion, get a second opinion. So I go to Dr. Brian Cole. Now, he comes into your office, all right? Or the parents do, the young man does, or young woman. Do, are you concerned? Do you want to know that it's a second opinion? Are you interested to find out what the other doctor said or what the maybe the X-ray or the, the X-ray or the MRI shows? You know, one of the first things I always ask a patient is, how did you get to the, how did you get referred in? Who sent you here? Why are you here? And that helps a lot. That's one of the most telling aspects of what I do is, how the patient actually got referred in in the first place. Because if I know it's a friend, it, it may be just a low-level problem. If I know it's another physician, uh, then I know it's a higher-level problem uh, in terms of acuity. And if they tell me they're there for a second opinion, it takes on a whole new meaning. So how they got to the office in terms of being referred in is particularly important in terms of how we sort of get an initial assessment of what's going on and the level of importance this problem is actually to the patient. You know, first-time evaluation on something, and it usually ends up being something pretty benign, pretty innocuous, and uh, fairly easy treatment. But if it's someone who's been in the medical system for some time and they're there for a second opinion, it brings in a whole different set of circumstances. So um, when they say it's a second opinion, um, I'm pretty careful not to say what did the other physician say because you don't I, do that i don't because i don't want to be biased i okay. want to listen really objectively why are they there what's their complaint and get a sense of what they really want to see that's different about their problem and then after a physical exam review of the x-rays or mri or studies if they've had previous surgery which is not uncommon we go through their operative notes and then we render an opinion then i'll and then give them a chance to answer ask questions and then at the end and, and frankly i rarely ask who they saw because, you know, we, we're, we're blessed that we have a large number of excellent uh, orthopedic physicians in the area. But, you know, truth be told, we're getting these patients from all over the country. And I may or may not know the physician. And it's not an, and so I don't like to use that as any part of my judgment. I just want to know what they were told so that I can explain away any differences. Because the biggest problem is that if they believe everything I'm saying, which I hope I can base it in fact and so forth, and it's diametrically opposed to another opinion, it creates a lot of uh, tension as you can imagine. So the reason I want to know what they were told is so I can actually walk through it with them and say, look, I can understand why this opinion was rendered. I'm curious, did you tell them something different about A, B, or C? Sometimes you get a patient along a different cycle when they come into the office. Could have been acute pain. It could have been a whole different, no intervention yet. Now I get the benefit of hindsight, so my opinion is different. And truth be told, it would have been the same as the other opinion had I seen them at that time and place. Do you follow me? Yeah. You know, because problems evolve over time. So I like to know what the other person said. I don't really care who gave them the opinion. I want to know what was told to them so I can help mitigate and explain it because they really have to take ownership of the opinions we give them. And how do they do that? They do that by educating. I mean, 90% of what I do is educate someone. And and I want them to walk out not selling them something, not telling them what to do. I want them to walk out and say, look, I'm making a decision based on all the knowledge I just gained from that office visit. So it's a little bit of a different approach, but it's especially important and really sensitive when there's a second opinion in the balance and they've heard something different in part or in, 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 in whole. So we're talking about second opinion. Steve Cashel, Dr. Brian Cole, you're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly. So let's say that that patient had an MRI and or an X-ray from the first physician. Do you care to see that or might you do your own? And what's the difference? No, I don't need another one typically. I mean, I think, you know, people place, and you and I have talked about this hundreds of times, they place so much, so much emphasis on an MRI. And an MRI is a diagnostic tool. We're trained as physicians to be hopefully good listeners 
and understand sort of the demographics of disease. You know, in orthopedics, it's not that hard. You look at the gender, you look at the age, in the shoulder, you look at the hand dominance, and the knee, you look at the, you know, like all this, you look at the mechanism. You get a sense of the character and nature of the symptoms when they began, what it makes them worse, what makes them better, how it affects their life. You do a physical exam, and often without an x-ray and MRI, you can make a diagnosis. The MRI, in my mind, is less often a diagnostic tool and more often a prognostic tool, meaning helping to predict what will happen if they treat. You understand? Yeah. It's mostly confusing when they come in with an MRI. It's amazing how people come in, say, with a history of knee arthritis, come in with an MRI, and they're told they have a meniscal tear. No one even mentions the arthritis when I could have either picked that up by history or just an X-ray. And the MRI is superfluous, but the, most of the visits spent trying to explain away the findings on a study. So and most people want MRIs just because well, they, it's kind of the hip thing. It's, that's our society. That that's yeah. what the, you know. They, you know, they, they feel like you're less of a physician if you don't have, order an MRI. I remember when I first <laughs> went into practice, I was uh, in, I shared an office with my senior partner, Bernie Bach. Bernie's been in, in practice probably close to, you know, 25 to 30 years, right? Did he do the first ACL, by the way? He, no, he did the first, in my, I, my understanding, the first outpatient ACL at Rush, but not the first ACL. Okay. So uh, Bernie would be across the hall, and I'd get a patient in my first year of practice who has an ACL tear, and, you, you know, the story is they twist it, change direction, they get a pop, and they get immediate swelling, and they can't straighten their knee. And you examine them, and they're loose, and um, you can pretty much almost make the diagnosis over the telephone. And I explain to the patient that there's no benefit in getting an MRI because everything would be addressed at the time of surgery. I'm 100% confident in the diagnosis. I know there's no fracture. That's picked up on X-ray. And you try to explain it for over a 10, 15-minute conversation because I think, in principle, that's the right answer. And the next thing you know, following Monday, I see the patient in Dr. Bach's office, you know, because I wasn't enough of a physician to order an MRI. So right. th- there's a uh, fascination with, which I think is really technology over reason, to be honest with you. You know, people really have this fascination with these studies, believing that it's part of the entire package and you can't do a good evaluation without an MRI. And it's nothing more than advanced imaging to corroborate what your history and physical gives you. And that tells you most of the story, uh, most of the time, at least, you know, 90% of the interactions. Do you ever get uh, a patient coming in and say, well, the other orthopedic surgeon told us this, and it is different than what you're telling us. How do we decipher it? How do we decide, you know, it's not who's telling the truth, but how do we, you know, pick apart here uh, the next course yeah, of action? so I, you know, there's, in order to keep uh, sort of a lot of uh, treatment and treatment effect comes from patient buy-in and understanding. And it never, number one, there's never anything to be gained by uh, being dismissive or negative about another physician or their opinion. That doesn't get, and, and patients see right through that. And it's, it's more a sign of insecurity than anything else. And berating another physician or criticizing for their opinions will, will never, ever, ever helps. And I tell patients a lot of ways to get something right. And there's a tremendous amount of variability in terms of our interpretation and what has to be done for it. So um, I usually just neutralize it. If it's a completely different opinion, I often try to see through the lens of the physician that evaluated them and say, look, I can understand how we may have come up with this. And sometimes it's just so blatantly different. I say, look, I just disagree. I mean, that's why people get second opinions. Here's the reason why I believe this is the plan we should follow. This is the diagnosis. And they walk out and they, they, they walk out with the, an understanding that, you know what, that makes sense. It wasn't explained to me in that way. I'm armed with a new and different set of facts. And I have ownership of this diagnosis and what has to be done. Many times there's just poor explanation and they have no idea why they have that diagnosis or treatment recommendation. So rather than turn it into you know, a negative experience with the other physician, I turn it into a, uh, sort of the highest quality educational experience we can because we're really educators. And then it should be a consensus between you and the patient. And it should be self-evident based on the facts that we give them. It shouldn't be something, we're not trying to sell them anything or convince them. We're trying to give them a, a set of facts as to why we believe this is correct. It should make sense to them. We give them resources to sort of check it out and it goes much more smoothly that way rather than a directive of saying, hey, this is what you got, this is what you got to do. Dr. Cole, is it different on a professional level as far as professional athletes go where maybe an agent will send the player to you know, his 
physician or his recommended physician, and then there's a team physician. And will you doctors collaborate because it's the athlete and the agent and the team is asking you to? Yeah, so that happens a lot, and there's there's so many nuances to that. I'll tell you, just in the NBA, um, there has to be uh, GM to GM contact when I see another player. Uh, that, that that same thing doesn't happen, for example, if I see an NFL player or an MLB player from another team, there doesn't have to be that level of interaction. But there's a I always ask the uh, player, because sometimes they're in contract contract years and they're not going to be with the team next year, but they're currently owned by that team, and it makes it really uh, challenging because you, you really the players have to understand that they need everyone kind of on their side working together, and it doesn't do anyone good to alienate one system over another. And, you know, the upside of a patient being referred in by the agent, for example, is that they often come in with a high level of confidence and they're predisposed to sort of doing whatever you tell them. Do you follow me? Yep. But you, one has to be super careful of that. The same principles apply about edu- educating them and so forth, and helping them make the decisions. But they need to know that there are certain parameters about communication with the other team. I mean, I often I'll say, look, I just need to know that I communicate with your team physician, your trainer, maybe the owner of the GM, uh, why, especially while they're under contract with their team. And this should be a collaborative relationship because they're not going to be doing the rehab here. They're going back to the systems they're in, and timing, return to sport, all of the rehab processes about getting to be an athlete again. I'm not going to be under in control over. I, so we really need to have a good dialogue with their. Uh, home team, if you will, in order to get them the care that they need. So that's a really critical part of it. I don't ever like to do that in isolation. And there's some general sort of rules of, of engagement and behavior, and it involves sort of over-communicating with all the players involved. That's Dr. Brian Klom, Steve Cashel, back with more of Sports Medicine Weekly after this. On ESPN Radio. I'd been having knee pain for quite some time and did what probably a lot of people do. I just ignored it and hoped it would go away. After a month, I couldn't take the pain anymore. I went to my family orthopedic. He told me that I needed physical therapy. When I received my prescription for therapy, the first thing I did was search PT companies online. I came across ATI Physical Therapy. It's close to home, has some great reviews, and when I called, they verified my insurance scheduled me right away. No wait. Everything was so easy, and the staff was great. They kept my doctor informed of my progress along the way. Honestly, I looked forward to going to my appointments. ATI made me feel like my recovery was there most important priority. I'd recommend them to anyone needing physical therapy. The experience was something I'll never forget. To learn more about what it's like to be a patient at ATI Physical Therapy, visit ATIPT.com and start your journey to get back to your best today. ATIPT.com Midwest Orthopedics at Rush is nationally recognized as a leader in comprehensive orthopedic services. As team physicians for the Chicago Bulls, Chicago White Sox, and Chicago Fire Soccer Club, their physicians understand the importance of quality care for high-performance athletes and weekend warriors. Regardless of the level of the athlete, recreational, high school, college, even professionals, Midwest Orthopedics at Rush strives to provide the highest quality, state-of-the-art health care services. To better serve their patients, they provide expert care across five Chicagoland locations with a new location in Munster, Indiana. Their cutting-edge research, diagnosis methods, and treatments make them the highest-ranked program in the state of Illinois by U.S. News & World Report rankings. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit them at RushOrtho.com or call 877-MD-BONES. Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, when only the best will do. That's one way to end up on injured reserve. So is falling off a ladder, lifting something heavy. Ow! That's not good. Or having an accident. At work. Uh-oh. Athletico helps all kinds of people come back from injured reserve. Schedule a free injury screening at athletico.com and find out how physical therapy can decrease pain and discomfort, increase strength and mobility, and help you get back to doing the things you love to do. Athletico Physical Therapy. Better for everybody. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly on ESPN 1000. That proceeds from our show, Sports Medicine Weekly. Go to support orthopedic research at Rush through the liveactivenow.org fund. I'm Steve Cashel, Dr. Brian Cole. This is Sports Medicine Weekly, Chicago's premier sports medicine program. We come your way each and every Saturday from 8.30 a.m. to 9, only here on ESPN 1000. Dr. Cole, we've been talking quite often 
you know, during these baseball and softball seasons. And now we're getting the football season even with uh, overuse injuries. You know, the young boys, girls, heck, men, women who throw uh, for sport, you know, and for a living and kind of overdoing it. It's nice, though, that uh, we're going to bring on our next guest from Athletico that they have actual video throwing analysis. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that we've learned in our throwers is that there are several features that are in their control that if are dysfunctional, poor muscle patterns, uh, poor throwing technique, things of that nature, then it can lead to shoulder pain, the risk of shoulder injury, and even a high correlation of shoulder and elbow injury. So using throwing analysis, we've had some similar uh, ventures at Midwest Orthopedics with research interests. Uh, The same thing um, is being done with some really interesting technology that doesn't bust the bank but allows us to do a really thorough evaluation of a thrower and then make some intervention and recommendations. And often that falls into the guise of physical therapy, which is why uh, I know Athletico is probably interested in it because that's what they're experts in and that's what uh, it helps to find places that they can actually intervene based upon various muscle and motor patterns in these throwers and young athletes. Let's bring on Scott Cedar, a physical therapist with Athletico, and the topic is Athletico's video throwing analysis. Uh, Scott, thanks for joining us here on Sports Medicine Weekly on a Saturday morning. What is video throwing analysis, and uh, what does it include? Well, thanks for having me, guys. Um, basically, it's a live biomechanical analysis that films and records the throwing motion and then allows us clinicians to use advanced Dartfish and Canovia computer software to evaluate the, the throw in a slow motion. It uh, basically breaks down the phases of each throwing motion. Um, basically, by using the slow motion, it can allow us to get a better view of the biomechanical faults and use some of the evidence-based literature and research out there uh, to identify these factors that have contributed to or may lead to some pathology or injury in the future for these athletes. Um, Each athlete, after the analysis, will receive a fault-specific corrective exercise plan and specific clinician feedback that that they did identify during those analyses. So does the software basically come up with what, you know, their standards or norms and then spits out some type of report that you can act upon objectively, or is there some of it sort of open to subjective interpretation and maybe a little bit less tangible? So what it is is each clinician will break down the phases of the throw. So they will put all the phases in there and then utilize their own viewing and force vector or um, angle vectors and spot shadowing things that we've found through the literature, um, some of the literature that even yourself, Dr. Cole, has um, most recently been doing to to identify those. So it's not leaving it to the computer to spit out the information to us. It's using those clinicians that are trained in the analysis and uh, evidence-based research to find those faults in there and relay that information to the athlete and family. How do they typically get referred into you? By other physicians? Or they they sort of know you kind of do it and they come in and do it on their own initiative? And who's who's paying for it? Um, So it is a insurance-paid service. Uh, we do have a fee-for-service for those that do not have an active script from a physician, so they can come into us from physicians. A lot of times we work with different uh, baseball and softball clubs in our communities, um, and we can do those fee-for-service uh, situations at that time. Visiting again with Scott Cedar, physical therapist with Athletico, talking about Athletico's video throwing analysis. And uh, finally, Scott, how do you use uh, video throwing analysis in a post-injury recovery plan? Well, any patient that comes into physical therapy or is referred to physical therapy, um, they're going to go through a thorough evaluation. And after the clinician goes over their subjective history and musculoskeletal exam, and if they feel that that patient may benefit from the video throwing analysis service, they'll develop a specific treatment plan that will help prepare that individual for their own personal analysis. 
So, uh, yeah, and if someone isn't sure if they would benefit, um, they can stop by or call any of our many local clinics and set up a complimentary injury screen that we do at all of our facilities um, that allows them the chance to meet with the clinician, sit down, and determine if they would benefit from this service line or any other physical or occupational therapy service needs that we perform at our locate, our, uh, our centers. The website is athletico.com. Scott Cedar with us. Scott, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. Appreciate it. Back with more Sports Medicine Weekly after this on ESPN Radio. Allosource's products help surgeons get their patients back into the game of life. Prochondrex, the latest solution from Allosource, is an innovative, cost-effective, fresh cartilage allograft designed to restore cartilage and restore movement. To learn more about Prochondrex, visit Prochondrex.org. That's P-R-O-C-H-O-N-D-R-I-X.org. I've been having knee pain for quite some time and did what probably a lot of people do. I just ignored it and hoped it would go away. After a month, I couldn't take the pain anymore. I went to my family orthopedic. He told me that I needed physical therapy. When I received my prescription for therapy, the first thing I did was search PT companies online. I came across ATI Physical Therapy. It's close to home, has some great reviews, and when I called, they verified my insurance scheduled me right away. No wait, everything was so easy, and the staff was great. They kept my doctor informed of my progress along the way. Honestly, I look forward to going to my appointments. ATI made me feel like my recovery was their most important priority. I'd recommend them to anyone needing physical therapy. The experience was something I'll never forget. To learn more about what it's like to be a patient at ATI Physical Therapy, visit ATIPT.com and start your journey to get back to your best today. ATIPT.com. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole on ESPN 1000. That's all the time we have for this edition of Sports Medicine Weekly. Many thanks to our coordinating producer, Teresa Ann Seeger, our board operator and producer, Felix Reyes, as well as David Cole for operating our website and doing our business side of Sports Medicine Weekly. For Dr. Brian Cole, I'm Steve Cashel. Thanks for listening. Talk with you again next Saturday at 830 for another edition of Sports Medicine Weekly, only on ESPN Radio. The preceding program was a paid advertisement. The views reflected are not necessarily the views of ESPN 1000. 